Yes, you're wrong. The podcast where we talk trash about the things people love to hate, hate to love. And we're your hosts, Shelby and Matt. Yes. Here to Welcome. talk about Miss Congeniality 3. Miss Congeniality. <laughs> I wish this was Miss Congeniality 3. Miss Congeniality 2 uh, looks incredible in comparison to The Lost City, I must say. Oh, wow. That's, that is a hot take. That is honestly an alarmingly hot take. I mean... Wait, because, okay, okay, wait. Are you saying that because you have a soft spot for Miss Congeniality 2, or you truly think that this movie is one of the worst movies ever made? I do like Miss Congeniality 2, oh, no. I feel like. I mean, I watched it when I was a kid, so it's, like, and I I probably haven't watched it in 10 years. It does so not hold up. <laughs> so truly, who knows? But I, I like Regina King, and I know that she's yeah. in it. So she I'm like, okay, <laughs> I remember liking that. I remember thinking that the movie was fun when I watched it as a kid. So, anywho. Okay, okay yeah. I mean, I it has say, like 16% on Rotten Tomatoes. Yeah, but... Just I as a like reference point. You can't you can't judge Rotten Tomatoes on like those kind of movies because like... It has 148 Diary. votes. Like 148. Well, right, but like... There are reviews. certain types of movies that critics just like don't get. And if right. you look up any like the Lizzie McGuire movie, like any okay. of those, they always have low ratings. And it's like, okay, that's because critics. They don't like, get it. They're like, this isn't Roma. And you're like, yeah, no, duh. It's Lizzie McGuire playing an evil twin in a weird romance well, where she's in Italy. Lizzie McGuire movie reviews. I can't remember if that one has a bad review, but I did forty percent, forty percent. So, but I I did a thing um for some article I wrote for BuzzFeed where I was talking about like movies that have bad Rotten Tomato scores, but are actually like classic films that you know large swaths of the populace love. And there's a bunch of that genre of like <laughs> movies for like teenagers. They always hate, but I feel like Miss Congeniality like, Two was not for teenagers. Um. And I think it right, was I, specifically panned for specific. It was it was fairly panned. I would say I have rewatched it. Unfortunately, I hit a low spot. I think like probably like in the early days of the pandemic, honestly. And I rewatched it, and I was like, oh. And you know what's funny is that she was asked. Sandra Bullock was asked about it. We're getting back to the plot here, but Sandra Bullock was asked about it on her press tour for The Lost City, which is in fact what we're here to discuss. And she said, "Oh God, that was the worst thing I've ever done. That should have never been done. But I'm glad I did it because of Regina. So you and her have that in common. Um, but that should have remained a one-off. So, regrets for Sandra. Prayers for you. But <laughs> what's the plot of this congeniality? Too. I just remember that it's set in Las Vegas. <laughs> yeah, she's there to protect. She's like she's like the the face of the." of the FBI now and she's hating it because she's not like in the field. And then right. the winner, the like Rhode Island, Miss Rhode Island is kidnapped, yes, gets kidnapped. along with yes, um, that's right. Shatner. And she goes on a journey with her guard, Regina to find them. It's bad. It's all around. That, that sounds like a great plot to me. I'm very <laughs> <No>. intrigued. <laughs> a 
okay, I'll tell you well, what, anyway, that the plot makes city. a hell of a lot more sense than the Lost, Lost City plot. City. I'll tell you that. Uh, 71% on Rotten Tomatoes. Again, an imperfect uh, measuring tool, but shocking. still irrelevant. <laughs> irrelevant point. I, so, I will say this. It is so hard for me and like talk about complaining about things you no know, one should complain about but when you go see movies before like any reviews are out you, well no it's like you you watch the movie and you're like okay well, obviously people are gonna feel this way about it yeah. and i feel like maybe 70 percent of the time i'm right about how i think other people are gonna feel about the movies yeah. and then there are some movies where i'm like oh everyone's gonna hate this or everyone's gonna love it and people feel the exact opposite and you're like how <laughs> you just feel so confused because it's one thing if you go into a movie knowing people hate it and you're like oh i liked it or right. like or the, it's another thing to feel like the rug is completely ripped out from underneath mm-hmm. you like you thought that you were on the same page and then it turned around everybody like uh was pointing a finger at you and yeah. saying loser yeah 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 Which, i mean you should be used to that though right like i mean yeah, i like, guess yeah. but like going <laughs> <laughs> back to like junior high and stuff you know <laughs> and i was very popular in junior high i'll have you know um <laughs> with this movie i went and saw it with my friend cam because we got invited to like a press screening for it and both of us were like yeah this wasn't a good movie and he's not like a he's not like a film person either so i feel like yeah. he's pretty easy to please in general and he was like oh yeah that was like terrible a really bad like just like such a um mediocre yeah like such a rom-com that's doing like everything exactly as you would think that like isn't really that funny and just sort of like hits all the beats and i was sitting right behind richard lawson who's the vanity fair critic and I could tell that he hated the movie as well. And he gave it a bad review. But he just, like, looked annoyed <laughs> during the whole time. So I was like, okay, yeah, this movie sucks. Like, it's going to get bad reviews. Then, lo and behold, it comes out and everybody and their mother, like, loved this or thought it was so fun. And I was like, which parts? Like, uh, <laughs> like what? But I also do think that part of the reason why I dislike this movie is because... um it's set in the publishing world, which is the world that we have worked in. And so, so much of it, I was like, well, that, that's stupid. Well, that would never happen. Oh, well, this makes no sense. Um, what people don't have book tours announced before the book is even written. Yeah. They don't have a, <laughs> like extremely popular book cover models that have like fans. But to be fair, we've never had Channing Tatum as a book cover model. So it's like, how, how are we to know, you know, like, like Fabio is famous for this exact reason. Is the, is he a book cover model? Is I that what he so. <laughs> I thought he was in like butter commercials. I thought, I don't know. Maybe I, that's a piece of history that I like came into halfway through, right? Like I got references to it on ANTM as a child. So it was like, I didn't know what they were referencing, but I thought he was I thought he was a book cover model, but maybe that was the joke about how he looked like a book cover model. I mean, so Wikipedia, his his main thing is is uh, an actor, fashion model, and spokesman noted for a wide-ranging wide career, including appearances as spokesman for I Can't Believe It's Not Butter and the American Cancer Society, acting in television roles, and prominently as a romance novel cover model yes, throughout the 80s yeah, and 90s. exactly. So maybe that's where he... He appeared on 466 romance novel covers. Oh my gosh, that's insane. Okay, so, so maybe this does make sense. Yes. Maybe this you have to give it a star who knew (laughs) well i know i'm not like paid like go see movies but i too had an experience where 
I went and I, I used to wait in line and like see free movies, like, you know, the fillers at these press screenings. You could like, yes. sign mm-hmm. up to get tickets. Yeah. Um, and so I know that feeling because I walked into God's, I walked into the King Kong movie and I thought it was the worst movie I'd ever seen. And I like texted my whole family. I was like, oh my gosh, this is absolute trash. And then when it came out, it like has better reviews than this movie does. And it still, it still shocks me to my core. And you never get over it. You can never like, it kind of forces you to dig your heels in. It doesn't help you like revisit and be like, huh, maybe I was wrong about this. It's more like, wait, no, no, society is wrong. So I'm sorry you went through that. Um, Generally speaking. (laughs) I do. I mean, I think that, yeah, if there, especially with comedies, we've talked about this time and time again. Like some some things just are funny for some people and not funny for other people. And if and if it's not working for you, it's not working. And yeah. there's no way of fixing that. I will say, I went to this movie. Like I've been to movies, you know, since COVID happened, and it's usually like two people in the theater tops. This was the more the bigger theater, except for Spider Man No Way Home. This had like thirty people in it, and it was like day three of it being out. And they were having a great time. They were laughing out loud as a group, as a unit. It felt like they'd all come in expecting the same thing and had been given exactly what they wanted. I I felt like this was just fine. Like I didn't, it didn't wow me. I honestly thought it was sitting in like the 40, 50 Rotten Tomato vibe, which it is on Metacritic. It's at 60%, which still feels kind of high, honestly. But, but yeah, it kind of felt like an unremarkable movie. But I think yes. I see why people gravitate towards it. And one, it's because the star power. People love a Sandra Bullock. People love a Channing Tatum moment. Um, but yeah, I, I don't know. I I want to pull people who loved it and see if they love the movies it's clearly ripping off and that that's part of its charm for it or if they don't know it and so it feels fresh and new to them. Because for me, someone who did grow up watching like Romancing the Stone and you know, even things like Indiana Jones, like these big adventure style rom-coms um i guess an adventure romance uh this just felt kind of like oh okay there's that beat and here's that beat and here's that beat and so it was kind of like where's the fun in it but maybe that is meant to be the fun where it's just harking back to all these classics i don't know yeah i feel like with having watched um both what's the jenny slate one that came out um i want you back and (laughs) marry me recently which i both thought both of those were fun good rom-coms like maybe not necessarily perfect but like fun and interesting and sort of doing something slightly different that felt more original where this felt so like studio heavy to me like yes like a bunch of people in a studio were like we want to make another rom-com we want to basically do the proposal again because that was (laughs) well no no but like that was such a a huge massive rom-com with sandra bullock she hasn't really made another one since then or something that's been successful and so they're like (laughs) okay we want to bring sandra bullock back we want to do another big rom-com with her because she's been in so many um let's get channing tatum involved people like him and then sort of had to like frankenstein some kind of plot together pulling pieces from other rom-coms i think the the best moments in this are the moments that seem sort of like the most spontaneous and original and those are the moments that don't really have to do with Channing Tatum or Sandra Bullock very much like I loved the the Brad Pitt plot line I thought was funny I liked the section with um 
what's uh, Devine Joy Randolph. Yeah. And with Patty Harrison as like the sort of publicist, uh, or I guess what she, the manager of Sandra Bullock. Like I thought that those parts were the more funny parts and that the parts with Sandra Bullock, like Sandra is doing her shtick and it's, <laughs> if you think she like, she's doing what she does well, but I didn't think it was particularly like interesting or funny necessarily. So you would say oceans eight is a better film than this. I don't know if, uh, well, Ocean's 8 isn't a rom-com. Well, okay, okay, so you only judge movies against it. I was, well, I was just looking at her, like, I think the last, she was in All About Steve, which came out the same year (laughs) as The Proposal, but I think that since then she hasn't really done, because she was in The Blind Side, which was like, she won her Oscar for, and then she sort of kind of transitioned into more um, dramatic roles, because she was in Extremely Loud and Incredibly Close. Yeah. She's in Gravity. She's in Bird Box. She was in The Unforgivable. <laughs> like, like yeah, she has Ocean's 8. She has The Heat, I guess, um, <laughs> which people liked. But that's not really, that's not a rom-com. It's just a comedy. Well, I just meant, like, I, I, I want to be clear that I, like, had a good time at this movie. It was just, I didn't expect it. I think it's getting more, I don't know what I feel. I think it's like it was predictable and cheesy and dumb, but it scratched an itch in a way that I was fine with. Whereas you seem like nothing worked for you except the Brad Pitt and to the enjoy of it all. Whereas I thought like, you know, I mean, to set the scene for those who maybe haven't gone to see it, um, Sandra Bullock is a writer, a, a famed uh, romance writer, and she's suffering with writer's block kind of over it because her husband died a few years ago and she can't find inspiration anymore. Um, and so she's doing her last book tour with her nemesis slash <laughs> cover, model. cover model, Channing Tatum, who clearly has a crush on her for reasons that aren't clear because I don't understand how often they cross paths with one another, uh, except to yeah. shoot these book covers. And so since her books are these sort of romance well, and adventure... she's not on the book cover. No, so it's not. like... <laughs> Other than just, other than him being at like random conventions that she's at, <clears throat> yeah, he just he thinks she's smart. You know, he's attracted yeah. to her intellectually. Brains. Yes, mm-hmm. um, because she she writes these adventure novels, and one of them takes steals from an actual culture that her and her husband has been studying before and so that's where daniel radcliffe comes in as this uh, eccentric sort of billionaire adventure guy who, who's desperate to like get something to find the lost treasure that she mentions and has managed to find an actual clue for this society that actually exists and ends up kidnapping her, forcing her to try and help him and antics ensue. I thought Sandra Bullock was really, I mean, she's always like the straight man, right? Like she's very funny in her like physicality, but she's never the joker of the group. So Channing Tatum, I thought paired well with her because he, you know, bless his heart. He does best when he is that sort of doofy, (laughs) macho, dumb kid. And he was doing it great here. I really thought their chemistry was kind of like uh, lacking, but they seem to be having fun with each other, which was a nice departure from your usual, I don't know, like we hate each other sort of like, enemies to lovers trope i guess i wouldn't say that this movie is like a bad movie necessarily i think i would just put it in with the likes of i don't even like 
the movie that's coming to my mind is Jungle Cruise, which isn't necessarily, <laughs> yeah. but like, or like, um, like any of sort of the live action Disney remakes, uh, like maybe Cruella, where it's sort of, it's executed fine. <laughs> and it's not like a, it's not like a bad movie, but there's still, but there's like sort of nothing there that's like Jungle Cruise is a bad movie. Okay. <laughs> yeah. 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 But yeah, I Jungle can see Cruise your point. Is worse, but you know, it's like I kept want like I wanted I I guess I wanted something like the proposal where it feels fresh and funny and there's like lots of bits where you're really entertained and I felt like this was pretty run of the mill with the exception of a couple pops here and there and then to have it be happy will be like, "Oh my gosh, the return <laughs> of the rom-com, like one of the best they've ever seen." I was like, "What were you watching?" Okay, but I think, you know, uh Okay, so rom-coms, they're a, they're a tough little tough little shell to crack they're sometimes. A tough, yes, they are. And I feel like to your point, The Proposal, I recently rewatched that too, and it's never been a favorite for mine and I rewatched it hoping to figure out what everyone loved about it. And I feel like it's kind of getting to what you prefer in your rom-com, which is these sort of like bits sort of moments, like like you know, um Betty White dancing in the woods or or whatever like these sort of like aside from the main plot these antics that are going on that are funny Mm -hmm. um and that's true with the uh jenny slate comedy too which is the the couple that we're supposed to be rooting for are very actually rarely on screen together and a lot more of the jokes are happening like in these side b plots and it seems like that's what you vibe most with whereas your traditional rom-com moment, especially in this adventure vein, such as Romancing the Stone or The Mummy, you are drawn in by the charisma and chemistry of the leads that you never want to see them apart. And so if you're not vibing with that chemistry, then you're not going to enjoy the film. But this does feel like a more traditional romance, which is maybe why it gets touted as like, oh, the return of the big adventure romp, because it is less about like weird... I don't know, like character asides and more like, dun, 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 let's get them on the road and see what happens. And like, <laughs> well, I feel like the perfect rom com, or maybe my favorite rom com, is You've Got Mail. Mm. And I think that that is a yeah. movie where you can like watch it over and over and over again. And there's That's so many movie. like little funny tidbits in there where, like, yes, the overall premise of like, oh, they're communicating over email and they meet up each other and they're rivals in bookstores like are like that is interesting and funny of in and of itself but then there's so many other things that like the more you watch it the more you can pick out stuff and i felt like this movie did not have a ton of those kind of moments like there's a scene where oh we're picking leeches off of his butt it's sort of like okay the funny thing in that scene is we're picking leeches off the butt and that's the that's the thing there's not like there's an extended uh it leeches off the front too so that's yes it. <laughs> yes yes there's le- there's leeches off but you know it's like this the joke is leeches and that is what the joke is well, there's the joke not... is oh he has a nice penis and she's surprised and she's like oh i i you always wonder if it will be a nice you know does it match the outside you know I, <laughs> that was the bit it wasn't the oh look this guy got leeches and now she has to touch his hard rock hard halves to get him off yeah i mean yes and no like yeah that's those were both okay so there was two bits in that scene but 
there's not I don't know there wasn't like a lot of funny little moments where yes. I thought the best stuff like the interaction where Patty Harrison's like hey slut to the grandma <laughs> I was like okay I like I want more of those kind of weird yeah. like little moments and this movie was not delivering those yeah so maybe very... we have hit on what I yeah I, I feel like chemistry is not really something that I'm <laughs> thrilled by in movies you're like get these straights out of my face <laughs> well i just i just i guess i don't understand like what that means really like that we like them to, like that we're it's not like, their vibe. It's like, like sexual like, tension you know, like, like it's like they're vibing they're having a good time the, the conversations are sizzling and the stares and the the longing the yeah throwing. but just like tell me something but just do something funny <laughs> you know yeah um i mean you had mentioned in a previous maybe just offline with me but you said your favorite part was um brad pitt oh yes i love brad pitt i thought he was very funny in this yes so he shows up as sort of this um channing tatum realizes that sandra bullock has been kidnapped and because he's secretly in love with her feels obligated to rescue her and knows a guy through his yoga class who used to be ex-military and has been known to rescue people in similar situations. Turns out it's <laughs> Brad Pitt. I, I didn't know um, was in this movie, but as he appeared, I was like, oh, this will be fun. It'll be like, he's insecure and she's into him and like, who will she end up with type? But I mean, spoiler alert, that's not how it goes. <laughs> he's not in yes. it long, let's just say. No, it's a very brief cameo. <laughs> he's in a several scenes and then dies um, like, <laughs> abrupt shockingly quick it reminded me of uh what's the what was the movie that we watched with emma roberts where all of the people get kidnapped and then they get they have to kill each other that had all the famous people in it but then they all died like in the first five minutes the The betty gilpin um yes the the one that they canceled the Mm, uh, there's a pig on the front of it uh far right the 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 hunt the The hunt hunt. the hunt yes um and so I, lo- I love a little bit of stunt casting where they got him to come in for, what, probably two days and shoot these things. I thought his character was funny. He seemed like he was having a lot of fun with it, uh, you know, because he sort of is what Channing Tatum really wants to be but yeah. isn't. And I thought the two of them had, like, funny back and forths together. Yeah. She doesn't... Uh, Sandra Bullock doesn't really interact with Brad Pitt very much in the movie. Well, there's, like, a I moment think. where she's yeah. realizing, like, he's her dream man because he's intelligent, he's muscular, he's right. talented at extraction and uh-huh. knows these cultures. And she, you can see her starting to, like, fall for him and then, boom. And then he gets blood, shot. brains. I thought, honestly, I really did think that the first half of the film is like it's best because you do have this yeah the first half is funnier i think yeah you have like the before relationship. they get to the island <laughs> well no i mean or, yeah, yeah but, not that yes yeah. when they're on the island when when um brad pitt is there when they're trying you know he's rescuing her and she's tied to a chair and it's like going wrong in every which way once they're like hidden in the jungle at night and trying to figure out next steps it does kind of feel like it loses it loses it's steam a little bit and it's unclear what their mission is and and intentions are and it feels very convenient the things that start to happen um but well, i also we have talked probably a dozen times at this point on the podcast about how i really hate movies that are funny in the first half and then <laughs> get serious in the second half and I they're think de- it's serious not serious but like have scenes where there's really like not 
funny things, but it's much more like heartwarming relationship Yeah. And there's definitely a lot of that because they sort of, they end up at like this local town in the end and mm. sort of have like, there's more conversations there. But, but and listen, then, I forgot Channing Tatum is like a dancer, but you can like see it, you know, when he starts dancing, you're like, oh, oh yeah, I get it. Oh yeah. You're like, you're definitely <laughs> you're like, like, I okay. forgot that he used to be a stripper. <laughs> yeah. No, he didn't. I think so. I thought he became famous because he was like an American, like an Abercrombie model and was cast in She's the Man. Wait. I think he used to be a stripper because I swear I've seen a bunch of pictures of him recently on um, Instagram that are like uh, him, you, you know, it's like him with like a dollar bill tucked in his briefs or whatever. I mean, he starred in a stripper movie. <laughs> I'm looking up early life. Da 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 da. Um, says. Oh, okay. okay. Yes, Wait. yes. He was his. Us Weekly experience. reported that yeah. Tatum left his job as a roofer and began working as a stripper at a night at a local nightclub under the name Chan Crawford. As one should, you know. Yeah, yeah. Because because I think Magic Mike is like loosely based yeah, on yeah. his experience. Yeah, you're right. You're right. You're right. I was sheltered. You know, she's the man is my introduction to him. And so that's what I you're remember like, him as. Your parents were like, he was, he was he's in church. Just, he was and just then he picked went, up outside yep, the mall. Yep. And then he, be- he and then now he's a, now he's a good Christian actor. <laughs> yeah. But um, what were we talking about? Oh, yeah. So the second half, definitely. Like, I was fine. I love a good moment where they realize that they're into each other. I love a good dancing moment i wish this had had a little bit more sparkle because it did feel kind of like she's just like oh, okay i guess i'm into him there was none of this like mounting desire in her to like earn his love or whatever <laughs> but i wish they had sprinkled in some like nudity no <laughs> i mean uh. Uh, no but i feel like there's that moment and then their romance I don't know. It was kind of hard to pin them down. And then they're in that tune together. Yes. Yeah, yes. There it wasn't didn't, a... It didn't seem like they were... I didn't buy the in love piece, you know? It didn't have the classic, like, they hate each other, but they love each other kind of bit. It felt like she, he was sort of always into her. She was kind of indifferent to him. And then at a certain point, it was like, okay, I guess so. Um, yeah. Because, like, I loved... I loved that they had that, like, funny little car chase scene... Like, I thought they sprinkled in enough humor through the second half. It wasn't, like, the best, but it was there. But they didn't... They couldn't fully sell me on them as a couple. It felt kind of awkward and, like, forced. Because I just... They vibed more as, like... They're just funny people who are having a fun time. And Mm -hmm. so I never, like, bought that this was a real relationship that, like, would ever last in any real way. (laughs) And even their final kiss was just, like, a letdown. And I don't know if that's because, like... You know, Sandra Bullock is like, oh, yeah, we're just going to keep this PG. Like, it's fine. I don't need to sell this. You know, I have kids now, whatever. But it just felt kind of like it didn't pay off in the way you usually get in these sort of moments. Yeah, yeah. And the whole bit about, like, the when they're in the tomb and the crown was, and oh the crown confused. was actually just these shells because it was the love of the guy for the other guy. And But I have like, a question about that. Okay. Because I was confused because it's set up as like, oh, he had this crown and he was buried in it. Sure. Makes sense. And they find the like parchment that shows the path to his burial grounds. Yes. And then she's like, oh, this is just a place for her to go and mourn. But then she was in it, too. So I was like, wait, 
Did she just come here and curl up and die next to him after building him this momentous tomb that she visited in secret alone? Or did the society recognize their love for each other so much that they built the tomb in secret to protect? You know what I mean? Do you remember this? I think that maybe she, I get, I get, I guess, yes, in my mind, like she built, had the tomb built for him. And then when she died, they also buried her there. But the red crown was hers. So why was that? So they assumed it was buried with him, but then she was actually wearing it when she was buried. I thought it was her crown. But I know, but I thought on the parchment it was like, oh, the crown is in his final burial place. Oh, I thought that they knew that they were buried together. Oh, okay, okay. I don't know. I, yeah, I, I it's don't. such a non important part yes, of the story. Yes. It's not important until it, important. it is. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's like all of these very convenient like runes and storylines and whatnot, they really don't matter at all until you finally get to that moment and then they want it to have some emotional payoff that yeah. oh the crown wasn't jewels, the crown was their love because he went and found these shells and gave them to her one at a time and she made a headdress out of them. Yeah. Um this is what I would have done if I was writing. I would have had that happen. Daniel Radcliffe locks them in. He's mad. He leaves. But then one of two things should have happened. One, they should have seen it as they were leaving, that there was actually a jeweled crown that was like buried somewhere else or hidden somewhere else. And they're able to escape with it. Or Daniel Radcliffe sees it as the as the volcano comes down and, you know, has this moment where he nearly dies to get it, a la the... Uh, the uh, covenant, so the Ark of the Covenant. Yeah, so uh, so basically, you either want the Ark of the Covenant ending <laughs> yeah. or the National Treasure ending. Exactly, exactly. Because I feel like this just kind of was like, it was just a real kind of un unspecial finale in a film that's build as this big adventure, and it's like, well, okay, like so now you guys are at a resort in Hawaii. Like, what do I care? Yeah. Yeah, no, I agree with that. I think there could have been something to zhuzh it up, you know, to up the ante. Mm Because that's the other thing that I want to talk to you about is the Daniel Radcliffe of it all. Do we think he was good in this? I don't know, because I feel like he's played this role several times in movies. Because doesn't he basically have the same role in um, the Now You See Me movies? Oh, my gosh. Is he in those I literally I, do not. I cannot picture him. I think he's in those like movies. the same. You're I, right. He maybe is. He's, maybe he's he is just in, in the second one. Technological prodigy Walter Mabry in the heist thriller film Now You See Me 2. Yeah. I do not yeah. remember him at all. I mean, now you, I barely, I don't really remember Now You See Me 2 very well. Yeah. Um, yeah. I just, I kept wanting him to do something a little oh, more. He's going to be in the new Doctor Strange movie. Mm. Do we know who's playing know. in that? I don't know. I've tried, to, I've tried to avoid okay. looking at too much Marvel stuff because it ends okay. up spoiling it. Well, I'm just going to look at this really quickly. Wait, <laughs> uh, I don't even see him list. It must be a small role. He's not. Okay. <laughs> they enter the Harry Potter verse. <laughs> well, I'm just I'm like looking on Wikipedia at the cast thing and he's not listed in any of these. Yeah, and then I'm and then down at the end, it, you know, has a bunch of sort of random people, but he's not there either. I so... just feel like if they wanted him to be like the dopey like i'm jealous my brother's more successful than me then they should have made him more stupid or if they wanted him to be i'm cutthroat and i'm gonna get whatever i want at whatever cost then they could have made him funny but also had him be 
more scary because in this he's just kind of like he shows up and does a screamy monologue and he's just like one note the whole time and i just wanted some more tension from him okay he's not even listed on imdb (laughs) to be in this movie so unclear what he's doing in it but he's still on the doctor strange but he is in doctor strange no i think that he was mostly just a uh, like a piece for the plot purposes. Like, yeah. I didn't think that he was, I didn't think he was bad in it. He, I didn't think he was particularly funny, but I think he plays a very similar role in Now You See Me. And Dana Radcliffe, I mean, really all the Harry Potter stars are interesting What for what they've done after Harry Potter, but he's definitely done the most acting out of the three yeah. main ones. And most of his movies have been, sort of small or like smaller weirder movies i feel like with the exception of now you see me too and this one which were the two like more big budget movies where he's kind of playing the same person and i wonder if it's like oh he you know he needs well he, i guess he doesn't need money but like they're the like his agents like okay hey we got to do like a bigger movie uh like sort of what parts can you get and this is kind of like what they've ended up slotting him in as yeah it's yeah it feels weird to me but i guess it does sort of make sense like you wouldn't i guess you probably wouldn't cast him in like a straight up like comedy comedy as a lead or in like a rom-com as a lead He's not really an action star. So I guess this is kind of like what you've got. <laughs> Give him a chance is what I feel like. You know, let him let him try something different. Because I feel like he could have attempted like, I don't know, something more like hitting on her or, or wanting. To, I don't know. I just it felt kind of like whatever, dude, you're a snooze and a half. Of course, you suck at catching them. Like, what are you even doing here? Whereas... I just feel like there was room for them to like dig in deeper on some of these bits and jokes and through lines. And they never really did. Like for instance, for instance, in the first time Daniel Radcliffe appears, he sort of like has his henchmen bring her over and it's presented as, Oh, I just wanted to talk business with you. And he's like, here's seven tables worth of cheese. Cause I hear you love cheese. Oh yeah. And that, that that sparked my curiosity <laughs> because I was like, how is this going to tie in later? Like, what is this? Yeah, and then it never does. Be? And I was like, why this? Like, it seems like it could have been a thing where she's like, oh, I said that one time in an in a, like an author interview, and no one's let me forget it type thing. Or and or he it like turns keeps out she gets bringing gassy or something. Or yeah, yeah. Or he and he like keeps giving her weird things that she's mentioned yeah. like once off. Yeah, there's definitely stuff that they did not take advantage of. <laughs> in this script because even when when they finally get when Channing Tatum finally rescues her he's like oh I brought you food I thought you'd be hungry and he gives her a cheese stick and I was like oh okay here it comes this is gonna be the joke but then it was just she was hungry (laughs) I don't know I don't know if I'm just I'm I've seen I'm telling you this movie's not good Okay, but you you started out you know, coming in hot saying it was worse than Miss Congeniality 2. Yeah, but to just... be fair, I haven't seen Miss Congeniality <laughs> 2 in probably 15 years. So, you know, it's hard yeah. to Yeah. It's hard to say. And I will also say, so um uh her publisher Beth um Devine Joy, she has her own journey getting to the island. But then she's not given anything to do once she's there. And no, so she's not. I thought for sure she'd end up like 
knocking out Daniel Radcliffe's character or like accidentally saving them all somehow, but she's just like on the boat that rescues them. And so I was like, hmm, let us get some more like city folk in the dirt having to like scrap together a rescue mission. Like I feel like there could have been something there too. And so that's kind of what I walked away with is like, oh, this is fun. This is like pleasant. It was like fine, but it could have been more. And that's always disappointing. And I really liked her character. I thought that she was funny and added some like zest to it, especially her interactions with her assistant, Patty Harrison, who she's sort of like annoyed with. I think the two of them (laughs) had some good chemistry. And like um, like Bowen Yang, I think is also in like a scene kind of with them. I, yeah, yeah. You could see a situation in which like all kind of, yeah, the like group of publishing people like all have to try to, do something together but then they can't yeah the fact that she's just on the boat really yeah doesn't big doesn't letdown. pull it all together there was lots of big letdowns in this movie i don't <laughs> think this was done well like it feels to me like a group of people put this together and oh, yeah. that no like there wasn't really like a signature vision for it at all yeah i mean i think the vision was man wouldn't it be fun to pull off romancing the stone and just make it funnier i guess is their joy their goal here but yeah, it just like even the ending, it like, it's like cuts the script to... is by four people. <laughs> the story's by a different person. Then there's the director. Yeah, yeah. and and in the ending, it like what frustrated me is again you don't have this big emotional payoff where they get to like make out or something. It cuts to like a new book, which implies from industry standards, at least a year passing, right? And they're on a beach now with everyone conveniently together. Like, why would they all be conveniently together? And and what? how Are does the Goatman feature into this? You Are know? they on another book tour or Yeah, because it maybe? cuts to, they're about to kiss and on the rock. And that's why they're all together? And then it cuts to it being the cover art for her next book, which the grandma is reading um, with the assistant. And they're all on the island with the goat guy, too. And it's just like, it's yeah, like, guys, <laughs> that's not how time works. No. Mm. <laughs> and, it, and it just, and then you get this mid credit scene, which I actually did not stick around for because in my oh, opinion. Oh, I liked this. In my opinion, you don't need a mid credit scene for these sort of movies, but. In I my opinion, it. you don't need a mid credit scene for any movie. <laughs> well, but... that's true. But I'm saying just because one franchise, one genre of film has decided to make it their norm does not mean every genre has to now make it their norm. But I would also like to say this. I would like to say this uh, for theaters. <laughs> okay, okay. The, obviously, the, the person running the movie or whatever knows if there's a mid credit scene. Mm. I think if there is a mid credit scene, you keep the lights down until mm. the mid credit scene is is on to signal to everybody, hey, don't stand up because there's more to come. If there isn't a mid credit scene, you can turn the lights on as soon as the the credits start rolling. Um, granted, I see like I saw this in a press screening, so I it, it was it's weird because in press screenings, this is something <laughs> that I am confused about. There are some people in who are press who seem very intent and deliberate and sort of snooty about the fact that they <laughs> sit there and watch the entire credits. Yeah. And I'm always like, uh, what are you taking notes? Yeah. On? <laughs> like I, like I understand that like, you know, if you go to a premiere or something, like they roll the credits and you're supposed to like clap during them because you're, cause there's people there who are working like who have, you know, done the, 
who who are in the credits who are there with you. So it's like, okay, yes, like let's clap for this person who's here. I don't understand when there's like, you know, 20 of us in some random theater watching this, why you have to kind of be like, oh, you're leaving before the <laughs> end of the credits. Like that's embarrassing. But then at the same time, there's people who like the moment the first credit is up there, like grabbing their bag and out of there. Hello. So <laughs> it's a weird dynamic, but because of that, I ended up seeing the mid credit scene because we were so I was sort of like there was one of those stalwart sitters who was kind of next to me and I was like waiting for them to get up so that I could leave without having to like <laughs> crawl over them. So I, we were so we were just sitting there. We ended up seeing the mid credit scene. But yeah, I don't know why we need them. And if there are if they are there, like keep the lights down, because I think if the lights are down, people I will never get a had hint. a theater turn on the lights while the credits are rolling like ever. Not like the lights lights, but like they go from like complete darkness to like a mid light. Huh, I'm going to have to study. I'm going to have to notice that's going forward. Because you because otherwise you'd be leaving the theater in like the pitch dark. And that's that is true. not. That's true. OK. I think they go to sort of you. like a mid tier, like maybe like what they have during like the trailers or something. It's like not mm, fully bright mm, in there, yeah, but they yeah. definitely like the raise the light somewhat. Yeah. Mm hmm. Okay, yeah, I I believe you. That makes logical sense. My brain just isn't recognizing it. Yeah, I think that you just keep the lights like <laughs> off, off until all of the scenes are gone. So if it's like a Marvel movie, we're keeping them off until that last whatever. If it's this, then we're keeping it off in the middle. The mid scene, however, I thought was funny. It's that Brad Pitt, it, it, they're at like doing yoga and then they turn around and all of a sudden Brad Pitt's there and they're like, oh, wait, we thought that you like got your head shot off on the island. And because he's such like a guru type person, he's like, well, you actually only need 10% of your brain. And so like the 10% that's gone, I just decided to use a different 10%, <laughs> which I do think is sort of fun. Yeah. So the question is, do you think they are thirsty to make a second one of this? I don't. I So obviously this has gotten good reviews from critics, but I'm looking at the box office numbers and it hasn't remade its money yet, mm-hmm. which not to say that it won't at some point, but it doesn't seem like it's that big of a hit that it would, that, that they would be clamoring to make a second one. Um, I guess it wouldn't be that hard for them to come up with a plot for a second one because you could think, oh, well, she's an archaeologist, so they have to find some other kind of something or another. And now she's in a relationship with Channing Tatum. You could easily bring back Brad Pitt. Um, You know, maybe Daniel Radcliffe comes again. The assistant, like every, it would make sense to kind of have everyone around for a second one. I just don't know if it did well enough for them to do it, but maybe. Yeah. I mean, I wouldn't be surprised. (laughs) In this day and age. Um, But yeah, I mean, props to them for making an original movie. That's hard to do these days. And they had an idea, semi-original idea, and they made it work. And I think that is cause for celebration because this isn't like, oh, we decided to redo Romancing the Stone, even though it basically is like that. And I feel like that's, you know, kudos, kudos. (laughs) Kudos. We'll give kudos to any, to anybody for anything at this point. You know, <laughs> yeah. you I you didn't I, make the fifteenth Terminator movie, <laughs> or I mean, a uh, Transformers movie. Kudos. Yeah, exactly. I feel like I understand why people came to this more than they went to. I don't even remember what I last saw in theaters. You know, it's like this or Morbius, and at least this is like it's lighthearted. It is contained. There's no threat of an imminent sequel. You know, it's just like a fun movie. It's a return to rom-com 
genre, which has been struggling uh, to find its footing again after the, you know, Nora Ephron years. And I feel like I'm okay with it overall, you know, getting a positive review, maybe higher than we expected review. I'm fine with it. Yeah, I've, it, I've, it was finally the movie that toppled the Batman at the theaters. Um, <laughs> Would you so. rather watch this or the Batman again? Uh, I'm probably <laughs> this just because it's shorter. <laughs> Barely. Um, just by an hour. Uh, but yeah, that's The Lost City. I feel like... Uh, but honestly, if I could watch the Batman until it got to this time cut off, I would do that because that's the best <laughs> part of the Batman anyways. That's true. Hmm. Well, like just uh, chop off the last hour of the Batman. Mm, <laughs> lovely. I think next week we're switching to a more highbrow uh, original creation. Um, yes. Everything, everywhere, all at once, which has mm-hmm. been talked about every wear all at once as well so yes it's been yeah it's really good it's um i think i talked about it on the podcast maybe a week or so ago and it was it was in limited release in new york i think it's going wide release this weekend so everyone can see it it is a very weird movie so (laughs) there is going to be lots to talk about um i could really see this going either way with you but we (laughs) shall see well, perfect. Now everyone has a heads up that this is actually literally for real what we are going to talk about. I know we always change our mind, but that's 100% happening. So now you have time to decide to watch it too. So Until Shelby texts me tomorrow. <laughs> oh, it's not showing here. I guess I'll have to do Morbius. Yeah. <laughs> oh my gosh. No, I would literally fly to a different city before watching Morbius. <laughs> so, <laughs> oh, But you love Jared Leto. He'll be great. <laughs> Well, always a pleasure. Um, you can find us on our social media. We're at PS You're Wrong on Instagram. And um, you can leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. Always nice to hear from you. Uh, send us an email at PSYou're Wrong at gmail.com as well. And we'll see you guys next week. Bye. <laughs>